Ladies and gentlemen, in 2020, we began a series called Raven Bond, a retrospective podcast with some written recaps of the Bond movie franchise. We did this in anticipation of the final Daniel Craig film, No Time to Die, being released by the end of 2020. But the pandemic was still a thing, so it became the end of 2021. One year after that, it is time to finally dig deep and do our Raven on James Bond subsection critical analysis recap thingy on No Time to Die, the 25th Eon produced Bond film. And with me as always to discuss this epic final chapter of the Daniel Craig story is a man who is positively teeming with nanobots. It's <laughs> late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm lousy with nanobots. Nanobots everywhere. Nanobots, nanobots, Natalie. It's a nanobot-led recovery. Yes, it certainly is. If there's one thing people will remember about the years 2020 to 2021 to it's nanobots. It's we're definitely all... nanobots. They were weirdly prescient in that way. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's right, isn't it? I forgot about that angle to this film. Let, let me make a note of that. And that's, that's yeah, because they, you know, they delayed the film about a virus that can spread via touch. And yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it was nanobots in James Bond. Turns out nature can just do that just as well. Of course, there was all the conspiracy theories about uh, 5G activating the nanobots in the vaccine. Oh, yes, that's right. Ah, oh, conspiracy theorists. Well done, you all. You're all nut jobs, um, unless you're a you know regular listener, uh, in which case you're great. We accept all of your weird, crazy tinfoil hat theories. Why am I saying this? And and who am I? I didn't even introduce myself. That's how <laughs> that's how out of sorts I was trying to come up with an intro for this podcast. I'm Natalie Bohensky, the co-host of Raven On slash Ra- Raven Bond, and you are Stu. How have you been, Stu? I've been great, Natalie. All the better for uh, having rewatched this film, which uh, was a, a revelation, actually, uh, to rewatch the, the this movie a year after we first watched it, having not watched it in the in the intervening sort of months. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting rewatch. Let's absolutely start there because, although this is admittedly jumping straight into my list, but the first thing on my list from our minute challenge, we always, if you're just tuning in. We always do a challenge before every podcast where we put a minute on the clock and try to write down everything we remember about the film. And I did not get a few things down, very many things down, because I was too busy starting off with things like, this movie is a lot better when I'm not filled with rage than (laughs) James Bond. (laughs) And I just want to give I want to give some context to that. Sorry, Steve. Yes. No, no, I was, I was just going to say, for for anyone who hasn't already listened to it, and I'm sure if you're listening, you probably have, but if you, even the off chance you haven't, we did a quick reaction. We, we knew we weren't going to get the chance to do a full uh, podcast at the time for a couple of weeks. We were thinking, oh, we might, we might revisit it in a few weeks in late 2021 when we first saw the film. We did a reaction podcast that was meant to be like five minutes long and ended up being 20 minutes long because we are who we are. But it was like a little capsule review of the film literally after we'd just seen it in a theater. And we were both kind of weirdly shell-shocked, like, because we're walking out going, they really did it. They they killed him off. Like, that, this is crazy. What, what the hell? Also, we were very confused about several aspects of the film, specifically the plot, um, yeah. which is 
admittedly still all over the place, but a bit a bit more coherent on a rewatch. Definitely and more coherent. Yeah, like, like once you actually know what's going on, you're like, okay, I get it. We were very distraught, weren't we? I mean, it felt very emotional at the time. Like they, uh, yeah. they killed James Bond. They killed James Bond. And I believe uh, as soon as they hit the credits with all the time in the world, I stood up from my seat and yelled at yeah. the theatre, you can't just kill James Bond. Now, now to be to be fair, it was a private screening. Um, you didn't just get up in a public theatre and start ranting like a crazy woman, although I would not put that past you. I was going to say, Stu, you've known me a long time. <laughs> I would absolutely have you- gotten up in a theatre with lots this of people who don't know me and yelled out, you can't kill James Bond. And people <laughs> would have agreed with me. I mean, look, um, yeah, yeah, you probably would have got some scattered applause. A rousing ovation, I would hope. A bit of context around the time. We got this film in Australia a month after it had been released everywhere else. Mm, and despite, really? despite that gap, I had not been spoiled as to that big final sh- Oh, I should probably point out spoilers if you're listening. <laughs> They killed James Bond in this film. We, we assume you've seen the movie. <laughs> We're going to assume that you've seen it by now. Um, and obviously, if they, you would have turned off by now as soon as you heard me spill that one, uh, so you won't hear this apology. Um, but yeah, so we, I don't think you had been spoiled either, Stu, had you? No, okay. no, I hadn't. That, that, that was the weird thing. I remember commenting on it at the time. I could not believe that I had not been spoiled on this yeah. twist. Like, like I mean, it's, it's, it's enormous. It's, so, it's, such a, it's such a seismic event. They yeah, killed James I, Bond on screen. They blew him up right in front of us. And I had um, already, I think, started doing a few podcasts with the James Bond and Friends guys. You know, they didn't spoil anything for me. They, did, you know, they kept a really good lid on it. They were, you know, very cool about that. But I'm just surprised that just being on social media, I didn't see anything. Mm. You know, reviews of it were very, you know, non-spoilerific. Like, it, I just commend to everyone involved that kept that that secret because that was totally a surprise. And I don't even think, you know, I'm trying to remember when I was watching it again, like when did I start getting the sense of dread that, oh, he's he's actually going to die. And I really do think it was very late because James Bond always escapes somehow. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, so it, was, it was really late in the piece that I went, they're not. It was when he, it was when he put them on the boat. See, for, for me, I for, think- for me. For me, I think it was even later. I think it was when he, you know, fought Safin in the pool and then sort of realised that he can't get the nanobots off and yeah, he's somehow been poisoned. So if he touches, uh, what's her face? You know, doe-eyed blo- blondie. Uh, <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> that he My sweet Madeleine. Sweet Madeleine. You know, I think it really was late in the piece. And I'm like, no, but they can't. He's got a, but, 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 but. So, and that really colored everything about my reaction to this film, you know, and I was trying to remember, you know, there are bits of it that I can remember, like obviously the, the initial chase sequence in Italy and uh, a few other bits and bobs, but, you know, I really hadn't remembered a lot of it because it's so dominated um, by the, the fact that they decided to, yep, we're going to get Daniel Craig in for one last time. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it because he he will do it if we blow him up at the end. Yes. He'll do it if we kill him on screen so he on can't screen. ever come back. He, he, no, he, no, no take backsies. <laughs> but it was such an interesting film to watch again uh, with the perspective of distance and time. And I still think the ending was, you know, shocking. And I, I, I get, I really get why they did it because it, it makes the whole Daniel Craig era make sense to me a bit more and is able mm-hmm. able to justify it in my brain as a self-contained five movie arc. But yeah, <laughs> very yeah. bold 
choice. As it says in the credits, James Bond will return. Uh, It is the the artsiest thing in the world that they put that in the credits, as they always do. The artsiest? Like, just the arsiest thing in the world. Like, like just, just the, the most the most audacious thing after you've just killed the main character on screen. Yeah. And then in the credits, James Bond will return. It's like, yeah. my God, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, so do you want me to continue with my list or do you want to... Well, yes, I mean, yes, yeah, start, start as we mean to continue. Absolutely. We've started on your list, so let, let's get started. If you have any, obviously, how you feel about it and everything, Stu. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can chime in. Uh, so, yeah, so this, this movie is a, a lot better when I'm not filled with rage. Um, <laughs> I understood the plot a bit better. Uh, yeah. You know what, though? I had forgotten it was nanobots until at one point. <laughs> they're like, well, what is it? And he goes, nanobots. And I burst out laughing. <laughs> I went, nanobots. It's nanobots. One of the reasons is, of course, if you listen to Tony Martin's excellent podcast, Sizzletown, he yes. has a character who's a crazed conspiracy theorist who's always ranting about nanobots. Yeah, about nanobots. So it was like nanobots. <laughs> and the fact that because it was written and filmed in 2019, they felt the need to actually like explain what nanobots are. Like they have that awkward sort of expositionary moment. Oh, do they? Oh God, I couldn't remember that. I just watched it. <laughs> Well, they just sort of, I mean, as, the, as they sort of explain, they're like, you know, t- tiny machines that can blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we get it. We know what nanobots are, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So actually a lot stronger than Spectre was the next thing on my list in yes. terms yeah. of the movie delivery, even if it's pretty shit <laughs> brought Spectre back, the movie before, and then killed them all in this movie. <laughs> Again, a, a symptom of this era of of the Bonds, where they just keep doing that, like they they keep doing things like that, where they they set up a status quo and then they immediately upend it in the next film. It's whiplash inducing. Because you'll remember, I think, when we did our Spectre podcast, which mm. is obviously two years ago now. Yes, goddamn. Oh, God. Um, and I remember talking about how you know you could just end the Craig era there. You literally Blofeld was captured. He gets Madeline. They walk off on the bridge. You know, they walk into the distance. Yeah, I feel like that 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 ending was designed as a potential like exit for Daniel Craig's Bond. Like he yes. goes off, he gets the girl. It's a happy ending for him in many yeah. ways. And you could come back fresh in the next movie and just have it be a Bond film and just be like, okay, we're we're moving on, guys. Yeah. And then you could have still have Spectre there if you wanted it. But in this movie, they just kind of neuter the whole idea of Spectre. It's like, um, do you remember in the Austin Powers movies when he goes through the whole first movie with Elizabeth Hurley and she's Miss Kensington and yes. he has to learn how to be a monogamous 90s man? And how how weird is it? Sorry, if you can hear crashing and tumbling. In Sorry, the- I was going to say that there is there is some significant noise on your end. <laughs> My cats are eating dry food, so my apologies for the interference. But, yeah, so Miss Kensington, Austin Powers, what I was going to say is the first Austin Powers was like he went into the ice in like 1967 and gets defrosted in 1997, and 1997 is 25 years ago. Oh, God. So, like, it's almost as long ago as it is from the 90s to now. Like, give it a couple more years and you could do Austin Powers again with someone from the 90s. (laughs) God, no. And they will do that. You watch my word, they will do that. And it'll be like an older Mike Myers getting someone from the 90s who's now got to be a cool 
2027 person. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the march of time is distressing in so many ways. But Miss Kensington, and then at the very start of the second movie, you know, they get married at the end and it's all very nice. Yes. And then at the start of the second movie, she's just a fembot before the opening credits. Yeah, and- yeah they, they completely retcon. And, they, and they, to their credit, they make a joke of the fact that, you know, that they're oh. retconning the whole thing, which is, which yeah, is yeah, fine. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it still kind of stings because like the first movie is great and, and Elizabeth Hurley is wonderful. Yeah, and then um, they just totally negate any kind of impact that she has as a person. Although, she, although, you know, to be fair to her, she came back to film that stuff. So, I mean, oh, like, yeah. you know, it's fine. Like, she's a good sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, we need to have a new sexy girl that Austin gets it on with. We can't just have the same girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't just have the same sexy Elizabeth Hurley, I guess. No, like, we have uh, the sexy Heather Graham. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just thought that's sort of similar to what they did with Spectre. It's like, oh, look, the big bad Spectre is back. It turns out Quantum was Spectre all along. Oh, my God, the roots go so deep. It's such a powerful organization. Oh, wait, they're all in Cuba at a party. We can just kill them all. Yeah. yeah. Done. Kill them with nanobots. Kill them with nanobots. Yes, that's a thing. We, I should probably <laughs> – what is the plot of this film before I continue on? <laughs> I did say it was it was easier to understand this time around, but geez, it's hard to summarize. Yeah, so it's Bond and Madeline sort of in the immediate aftermath, one assumes, of Spectre, off on holiday, living life. But Madeline says, you know, you need to forgive Vesper and and move past her if we're to have a future. I don't know why I guess that's to happen, but anyway. So she's remembering her childhood, which is the opening credit sequence of, of um, Safin. Actually, it's not the opening credit sequence. It's the opening of the opening credit sequence. Yes, yeah. because, because this movie, this movie has twenty full minutes before the title sequence. I actually, yeah, you know, I actually timed it as well, and I think it's twenty three. Yeah, it's insane. It's Sorry. a huge, huge amount of time. Twenty seven minutes before the song kicks yeah. in. Nearly a full half hour, and, and then you get the song. Well, maybe maybe twenty four, and then the song is three minutes. But yeah, it's twenty seven minutes is when you get the five years later. So. Right. A long time. You know, I think we've talked before about some of the Bond movies that we went through and went, wow, this is a really long opening credits and it was, you know, 12 minutes or 15 minutes or something. This is a (laughs) movie in itself. It really is. Like, I mean, it it really is that that opening sequence from the flashback to like Safin attacking Madeline's house to all the stuff with Bond and Madeline and, and their eventual sort of parting is itself like just a mini movie. Like, like it, it has like a, a setup and an ending almost, you know, and, and then, and then the movie starts like yeah. five, it goes five years later. Yes. Now Bananas. we can, now we can bring you into the current plot, which is nanobots. Nanobots. <laughs> And the other thing that I timed, do you know, with this, because Remy Malik is Saffin, and his name is like Lucifer Saturn. His name, his name is literally Lucifer Satan. Is what his name is basically. Oh yeah, I got the Lucifer because it's like Lukachev or something, or Lucifer, or it's something so close that's Lucifer, yeah. but yeah, Saffin yeah. is close to Satan, I guess. Yeah, his uh, name, his name is Evil Evil Man. Evil Evil Man. <laughs> Although she calls him Le Homme Musk. Le Homme Musk. That's my French accent for you. As in. <laughs> man in the mask or the masked man but yes i timed when we first see him so i'm just going through my notes here i mean technically we see him almost immediately because like he's in the he's in the well, opening okay. But, but okay we see we see the him his him with his doll mask on but we yes. don't actually see rami malik's face until wait for it wait for it here it is one hour 13 minutes we see safin's face which is 
I would argue, far too late in the film to be introducing your main antagonist. Yeah, and I mean, we get <laughs> we get him in that opening sequence, so we know he's a factor. We know that he's part of Madeline's history. Sure, yeah, but we don't get he's super obsessed with her and wants to make her his family or something until an hour and 13 minutes in. Hmm. And then it's just straight into it. There's no warming up. He just comes straight in going, oh, hi, would you be my new psychologist? Um, by the way, I've been obsessed with you since you were a small girl. And I rescued yeah. you from the ice. It's not great. Anyway. Um, I mean, he's a bad guy, but, you know, he's still a bad not guy. great. Yeah, that's why they got Billie Eilish to see him theme to him. Because he's a <laughs> exactly. bad guy. So Bond has been retired. He goes and does a job for Felix Leiter in Cuba. Cuba? Cuba? To rescue the Russian scientist, I didn't. I didn't realize like the nation of Cuba had a had a had a gif gif issue with you. <laughs> Cuba, 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 Cuba. Cuba. Spectre kidnapped the Russian scientist from his lab where he was being workplace bullied by the guy from uh, Eight Out of Ten Cats. No, <laughs> yes. Well, are you Hugh? What's his name? Hugh? What's it? He was in Fleabag. Tom yeah, I, I I don't know his name off the top of my head, but yeah, I know him. They were kind of workplace bullying him, going, oh, I lost the smallpox in something. Re- they really were, you know, in a, in a bizarrely like antagonistic way. They were really like hanging shit on him. He's but like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys got shot. He's very super sensitive about it, but then he just launches back with like, I will kill you all, and you will all die. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, he knows what's coming. Five minutes later, they do all die. That's um, it. But he has somehow managed to hijack this secret, secret program of nanobots <laughs> that M was running off book. So Spectre kidnap him, but he's receiving instructions from Safin. Yeah, he's he's already working for Safin at that point. He's, yeah, he's a double agent, so he's he's swapping. Well, he's like out. a triple agent, really, because he's like, yeah. like Spectre think they're they're recruiting him, but like yes, he's, he's already worried. working for Safin. He's kind of like a Venn diagram of. Of- Which was very, I mean, this is the stuff that was confusing on first watch because I'm like, wait, who is he? Yeah. Who is he working for? Like, what's going on? Like, he's, yeah. he's he's working for Spectre, but he's not working for Spectre. Like, he he doesn't like Spectre, but he, he does want to, like, release the, the nanobots. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like well, once you have it all straight, it's fine. Like it all it all makes sense. But it's a very confusing watch on first watch. That's why I think this rewatch was really good because I yeah. got I got it a bit more. I was like, oh, okay. So he's been warned that Spectre, are, uh, you know, slinging ropes down the side of the building. He gets a call saying they're coming and they're going to want you to do this. So make sure mm. you do this. I was like, oh, right, okay. Because I thought for a second that maybe it was MI five who were like busting in. But no, it was an MI5 lab. It was Spectre. Yes, exactly, yeah. MI5, MI6, whichever one it is. Um, I should know that. It's MI6. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so he's he's rescued with this super secret file information on Spectre operatives. Like he's got DNA yeah. sequences. Spectre take him to Cuba. Felix knows they're there. He wants James to go in as like an off-books agent to get him out. He goes there. It turns out Blofeld has arranged the whole thing from his cell in London because he's got a bionic eye or he's communicating through the helper with the bionic eye. That's one aspect of the plot that didn't even make sense to me on this rewatch. It's like, hang on. So Blofeld was allowed to have an elaborate bionic eye in his cell in a hyper-secure prison? I think it's sort of implied that he must have already had a bionic eye when he went in. But, I mean, wouldn't they have... 
taken that out? But but that maybe, seems like the sort of thing they confiscate. But maybe it was so cleverly done that nobody realized that it was there. Sure. That seems weirdly implausible to me. Like if you don't know to look for a bionic eye. Did you feel, because I thought that maybe the, the guy, but Blofeld was already captured by the time they did the, this is the thing. You would assume that Blofeld has been in, because he got caught at the end of Spectre. You assume he's in the high security prison pretty much straight away. Hmm. You assume he must have the bionic, bionic eye already by the time he's caught, because he's not going to get one put in when he's over there when he's in the prison. Yes. Like, no way it's going to be put in later. So it had it to have been installed. It just feels like the sort of thing that they would check for. I, I don't know. That That's you, just me. You think maybe you'd give this crazy guy a full body scan, like an MRI or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like make sure he doesn't have like any hidden weird, like bombs or stuff yeah. hidden on him, you know, like that, that, that feels like a, like such a, such a ridiculous oversight of the part of MI6. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just a simple, like, this guy's crazy. Let's study his frontal vortex. This guy is literally a supervillain. We should probably check whether he has any doomsday devices, like, implanted in him. <laughs> that it's so good that you wouldn't even know. Because Cyclops, the guy who has the, the eye, or he's called Primo, but Bond calls him Cyclops, his fake eye is, particularly at the start, it's really noticeable. It's, like, less noticeable a bit later on. But at the start, yeah. it's like really noticeably very big compared to a regular eye. Yes. So you would think that Blofeld's, you know, weird, overly big eye would maybe make some people think, hey, your eye seems a little bit. And maybe, look, maybe he just was very good at going, I feel really insulted that you've pointed out my overly large eye. I'm very embarrassed by my overly large eye. <laughs> if you had any manners, you would not comment on my overly large eye. And the thing is, too, like, I'm pretty sure he gets, like, that disfiguring scar from James Bond in Spectre, yes. right? It's not, it's not like he already has it, which he does in, in the earlier movies, like he, like when the Donald maybe that's when they Maybe it. that's when they're sort of putting it in. Maybe they, they put it in. Maybe that's the whole thing, like his eye got buggered up in that explosion. So he's got could the scar. Be. Could be, yeah. He's, he's like, I, well, now I can use this bionic eye I've had sitting around. Oh, James. And so he talks to himself. In his cell, yes. uh, and and this time I was listening really closely, trying to understand what he was saying. And he was talking about, "Oh, it must be a party. It must be a party." And they just assume that he's mad because you yes. know who he's talking to, but actually he's giving instructions for this mega uber Cuban Spectre party. Now everyone in Spectre goes to the party. Every single person who's involved in Spectre all go to this party in Cuba. Not a single one is sick. Not a single one. Has, <laughs> you know, they're plane delayed. Not a single one. Not has, a single one hit like you know maybe on the on the Facebook invite. Yeah. Uh, you know, but then didn't show up at the last minute. Yeah. Nobody had ghosted by the time that you know Bond showed up. Uh, every single Spectre agent. Look, I can buy that. You know, you're you're Inspector. You're told you will be here. I can buy that everyone makes the effort to get there. But the fact that everyone got there. <laughs> okay, we'll accept that. We'll accept that. I won't be too nasty. But then Blofeld is controlling the action via the eye, which has been put on a pillow and is being walked around the place by some bald dudes. Yes. Look like Slender Man or something. And then <laughs> it focuses in on Bond and then it reveals that, ha-ha, this was all an elaborate trap to get you here. But how did he know that Bond, how did he know that, oh, because oh, of the guy from, he's a spy. Ah, that's how. Yes. Um, yes. Felix, yeah. I forgot to mention, Felix has a Book of Mormon fanboy assistant. Yes. Uh, Logan Ash, who turns out to be a Saffin agent. So, yes, that's how they got Bond there. That makes sense. Okay. Played by Billy, played by Billy Magnuson, who plays that like that type of guy in lots of different things and, and does a great job here. 
Oh, does he? Just like American boy, all American boy sort of thing. Yeah, all, all American, like like, but but like weirdly intense, like the, 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 that specific sort of character. He tends to play that in 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 things, and he's very good at it. What else has he been in? He's in The Big Short very briefly as like one of the weirdo people who like sell loans to people playing a very similar sort of energy oh, okay. um like he's not playing a spy but like he has that similar sort of energy of like you know they're like a little little eager puppy dog but also like like a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> his smile is a little too broad exactly yes um i'm trying to get through the plot it's taking me a while so anyway we'll come back to her there's a lot of plot to get through <laughs> anna de Armas is there steals the whole scene great yeah we'll st- steals the movie incredible We'll get back to her. Lashana Lynch is there. She's she's already met 007 in, sorry, she's met Bond. She is 007 now. She's 007. She's met Bond in Jamaica. He's in Jamaica, isn't he? That was the Jamaican flag. I yes, saw. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's living in he's living in in what I assume is is an estate called Goldeneye. Yes, one can only assume. Yes, which has its bedroom separate to the main house, and he has a <laughs> sure. Nap. Did you notice his natural shower, like his outdoor natural shower? Thing? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How very exotic! Can only be a cold shower, one assumes. He just lives off cold showers and well, sure. Uh, so that's where Felix recruits him. He meets 007 for the first time. And she says, don't come to Cuba. And he's like, sure, see you there. And the Cuban thing happens. And then all of a sudden Bond is back into MI6 because Spectre is involved in this and he has to be involved because it's Spectre and M didn't tell him. And M's like, no, go away. And he's like, no, it's Spectre. And then looks at notes. (laughs) (laughs) You you watched this movie literally like 20 minutes ago. There's a lot. There's a lot. He goes to Cuba. Like he, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Yeah. So so he goes to, he goes to Cuba and everyone dies. Everyone dies. So yes. So Bond is supposed to be killed by this DNA weapon that Spectre have kidnapped from the Russian guy. But actually the Russian guy working for Safin has substituted Bond's DNA with everybody else's DNA, every Spectre agents. And so they all die horribly. There's a big shootout. Bond manages to get away with Obrachev, the Russian scientist. They get to the boat with Felix and realise that um, Logan Ash is a double agent working for Safin. He shoots Felix, then blows up the boat, escapes with the Russian scientist on a plane. Felix dies. Bond is sad, gets away, and then gets picked up. And then he's back at MI6. Talking nanobots. Yeah, I'm just recounting scenes. I'm not really talking about the plot. No, absolutely. I mean, like, like so this this happens, and then uh... they have to go see Blofeld to try and find out who's doing this stuff. Yep. Meanwhile, Safin has met Madeline and told her she has to. Well, we, we we have the revelation that that Madeline is the only psychologist apparently that will, that Blofeld will talk to. Apparently, um, only one. Only so, one. She, so she's she's the Blofeld person. She's Blofeld connection. She's Blofeld's gal. Uh, but then she refuses to to go and talk to him because she realizes that she's supposed to touch him and that will kill. Yeah, because Safin hints it's like you know, ah, oh, you do, you you haven't lost everyone you love, have you? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Which we uh, revealed later is that she has a daughter. <gasps> so when, dun, she dun, said, dun. when she said to James back in Italy, I have something I have to tell you, and he says, I'll bet. It wasn't, you know, I'm a secret Spectre spy. It was, I'm actually up the duff. Yeah. <laughs> but in a French accent. Uh, <laughs> in a French accent, so it sounds classy. Où est le duff? Oh. <laughs> Apologies to our French listeners. And uh, they go in search of nanobots. I should just move on and we'll talk I was about, about to say, I feel, I feel like recapping this movie is sapping your will to live, which, which I mean, to be fair, like, I get it. Like, it's... It's a convoluted plot. It's a really lot, lot of stuff. But it's, a nearly, it's a nearly three-hour-long movie. 
Yeah, and they have to get to the and this is what I mean. There's sort of like three movies in this movie. There's yes. there's the all the stuff in Italy, which is kind of setting up what happens with, you know, Bond which, getting Which back. ideally would have been set up in a previous film, really. Uh, you know. Yes and no. Yes and no. I don't know. Stuff connects to, to this. I understand why they did it. And they need to create the separation between Bond and Madeline so that when he does see her again five years later, there's emotion and tension there. But yeah, it's like three movies. So you've got to have all this stuff in Italy, which gets Bond out of the game. And then all the stuff in Jamaica and Cuba that gets him kind of back into the gets game. Him back in. Discussion of nanobots and, oh, look, it's the new era and you've got sexy Lashana Lynch as 007 and woohoo and, um, <laughs> and M's being naughty by doing off-book projects and stuff. And he's like, I didn't mean it to get out of hand like it did. I didn't really mean to storm the Capitol on January the 6th or, you know. <laughs> we were just going to, you know, get our knives out and stab a little. Yeah. It is. It's Mo. It's, uh, I wasn't going to kill you. I wasn't going to kill you. I was just going to cut you a little. I was just going to cut you a little bit. That is basically M's whole plan with the Heracles Project. <laughs> um, and if anyone knows why it's called the Heracles Project, I'm trying to understand, like, you know, the DNA is supposed to just target the person they want it to get to. Say, Yeah, I exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you called it, like, I mean, if you called it Hydra or something, I guess you could justify that, but it's like. No. Something about it's strength, like, like it's super strength, maybe because Heracles is Hercules. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it myself. I it just, I guess it's just a cool name to call cool it. Name? Yeah. So basically, like, think about, say, if I wanted to kill who's a friend of Stu's that I don't. Like. <laughs> Let's say Stu is friends with Donald Trump, and I'm like Stu. I don't know why you're friends with Donald Trump. I don't like him. I could get this virusy <laughs> thing that's just targeted <laughs> to Donald Trump, and I could like you know, meet Stu, have a catch up, shake his hand. And then he's got the virus for Donald Trump. And the next time he sees Donald Trump and shakes his hand, boom, Donald Trump drops dead full of buboes. That's basically (laughs) there. And everyone's like, how did that happen? I mean, look, in an ideal world, this is what would happen. But, you know. (laughs) But it means that, like, I'm not affected. Stu's not affected. It's just that the virus is specifically targeted. For Donald Trump. But then, of course, it is immediately co-opted by racists and weirdos. Yes. <laughs> like, like, you know the- what? Why don't we just target whole ethnic? So why don't, you know, instead of just Donald Trump, we target every person with Trump DNA. Okay, sounds fair, you might think. Let's say it targeted Elon Musk. Do the rest of the Musk family have to suffer for Elon's weirdness? You know, <laughs> questions to be asked. I'm trying to think of an example here that doesn't make me sound horrible. I'm failing. <laughs> I'm failing miserably. But yes, that's the idea. So that it's, it's supposed to be an individual targeted assassin virus. It becomes a either familial DNA or even they mention a few times like ethnicities. And then at the end, they make the Russian scientists suddenly racist. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is weird. A weird, weird beat. That was a, a weird choice. Like totally fair. You know, you got to kill that random sidekick dude. Sure. M- maybe set up that he's like a, a eugenicist, like at the start, so that it doesn't come out of nowhere. That he's, he's, he's suddenly like wildly racist to the black he, woman. He was set up really bumbling almost. This sort of crazed weirdo bumbling guy. He wasn't set up as like, you know, no. evil dude because they had Safin for that. You can't They have, have Safin for that, exactly. But but he but he's not in a weird way, he's not like that. 
he's an insane person, but he's very pure of, of vision. Yes. Like, like he, he sees the world in very, you know, simple terms. And, and he's like, this, this could create, you know, a, a totally new world. Whereas like the weird bumbling Russian scientist is just a, a bumbling, funny comedy character until the very end where he's suddenly wildly racist. It's weird. It's a weird thing. And also that line, she has said, what time is it? It's time to die. It's not great. <laughs> Not great. Like, I get they were trying to tie in the name of the movie. <laughs> What's the name of the movie? I, I, that's the name of the movie. I'm just trying to think. We haven't really had that in a Bond film before where they they, they so explicitly try yeah. to work in the title of the movie, and yet they kind of don't because the title of the movie is No Time no to time Die. Right, yeah. Um, you know, so it's kind of a tortured pun. Yeah, real tortured. <laughs> Can you <weird>. imagine? <laughs> I mean, early on, the Bond films were named after the books. You know, can you imagine like Roger Moore going, I guess I really am the spy who loved you. <laughs> you know, no. It's a hard day's work on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, he says, I'm keeping the British end up, sire. That is a pun. My goodness, is it? No time to die is not a pun. It's just a weird statement. It's a weird statement after you've just murdered someone. Like, just as you're about to murder someone. Yes. It's literally what serial killers say. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't give him anything. Like, had he had some sort of quirk or something. I know that they were trying to bring in, because there's lots of time. That's on my list as well, actually. Lots of time metaphors. You know, the, the, the opening sequence is all hourglasses and clocks. and Sure. Uh, it's all about time. And then, of and course, we have all the time in the world. All the time in the world, which I really should have clocked very early on in that film. That clearly, when you say something like that, there yeah. is all the time in the world. Something, something is going. Something terrible is going to happen. Something terrible is about to happen. That's that's why we're all going into twenty twenty three. Going, look, let's just not talk about how it's going to be our year. Let's yep, not. Talk yep. About nope. <laughs> we're all just going in, going. Yep, it's a new year. No talking it up. Don't we, talk. We it acknowledge up. that a new calendar period has begun. And we will not tempt fate any more than that. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, it's 10 years since the Mayan calendar thing was supposed to happen in 20. Well, that's true. Yeah, maybe they were just off. Yeah, or maybe it did happen and we're just living in a weird Matrix-style recreation of life <laughs> where everything's just gone slightly bizarre. I mean, that would explain Donald Trump and Elon Musk and Liz Truss. Just a a lot of things. It would explain a lot of things. As a sidebar, do you remember Liz Truss? <laughs> <laughs> like how she was prime I'm not sure I'm not sure Liz Truss remembers Liz Truss but like that was only a few months ago Stu that's how yeah. weird this year has been is that I just had the thought the other day I went hey Liz Truss was a thing <laughs> for a hot minute Liz Truss was minute. the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom literally she became the Prime Minister talking about pork futures the <laughs> pork futures the Queen died. Liz yeah, the Truss, Queen died this year. There was a whole period of mourning. Liz Truss spoke, you know, at her mem memorials and stuff, and then she stopped being Prime Minister. Yeah. <laughs> it was like they appointed a specific person just to kind of... Just to get through that period. Through that period and be subsumed in history by the greater, you know, <laughs> the greater thing of the Queen's death. And I just, I just thought to myself, like, how that was a really big thing that you would have a prime minister for such a, the shortest ever serving British prime minister. Yes. And I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that happened. Yeah. So, so someone, someone joked at the time, and it's only gotten more funny with time, but that the name Liz Truss is going to be a fantastic trivia answer one day. Yeah. <laughs> like having that in your back pocket, oh, boy. Yeah. Who was the shortest serving? You'd be like, yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, remember? Oh, gosh, what was it? What a name. 
Shut up, that weird oval <laughs> face talking about British cheeses. The girl I know who I met in Edinburgh and I've stayed friends with on Facebook, she started doing Liz Truss parody videos. She's a comedian and she, oh. looked, she doesn't look like Liz Truss super much, but she has the same. She's got. Oh, of- I feel so sorry for her because she's, she's surely thinking, oh, it's my time. I'm, it's well, my time to shine. This is the thing. She was doing like fun Liz Truss sketches. She had the voice down pat and she even was on, I think one of the news services got her on to talk about, you know, doing a parody. Oh, that's nice. And, you know, and, so, and, then, and then bam. What a sweet, sweet summer that was. And <laughs> or spring even. But yeah, it was like less than two months and she's out of and it. And she's gone. Consigned um, to the dustbin of history. That's right. So, a shooting star. How did I get onto this? Yes. Anyway, so 2023, we're just going in, hoping for nothing in particular. Just keep it real, guys. Yeah, keep I, it real. I hope I hope the next year is as boring as possible. Yes, that's right. What was I just saying about Bond, though? I think we were talking about time, like no time. Yes, to yes. We were talking about the pun. That's right. We we're talking about the, the racist Russian scientist. <laughs> um, maybe I'll just finish my list because I've gotten myself confused now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we were nearly at the end of the film but having said that like let's go back to the list okay so to finish the plot basically yes that's right it was three movies italy stuff bond is out of the game middle stuff he gets back in the game and then finally they go to the island where it all happens and that's where it turns into the end of you only live twice yeah the the novel you only live twice yeah absolutely you only live twice with shatterhand where blofeld is like holed up in this poison garden calling himself shatterhand and like fighting people dressed as a samurai Took that they kind of lifted that element from mm. the novel to create for Safin. So basically, Safin is his family were like the poisoners for Spectre, like they grew yeah. that Spectre used, but then Spectre poisoned them. I think for reasons unclear, like it's not, it's not. So they were part of Spectre, yes. And then for for some undisclosed reason, they decided to kill them off. And Mr. White did it, who is Madeline's father. But he did it um, via poison. But he did it via poison, I assume, for like maximum ironic poetic like, value. The po- yeah. poetic value, yeah. yeah. Poetic dr- dramatic irony. And so Safin survived somehow. So, but- yeah, yeah. And again, like, like we're not told how or why he survived. He was obviously scarred in the process. Yes. He um, didn't get enough of a dose something something anyway as we know from Arya Stark you leave one alive uh, and they... <laughs> and so the opening credits is about how he came to kill Mr White Mr White wasn't there so he killed Madeline's drunk mother and tried to kill Madeline but then saved her she fell through the ice and he saved her for some reason uh some he, sort of, he sort of says oh I, I saw your eyes and I thought saving a life connects me to you forever or something like that sure. great <laughs> Sure, dude. Whatever you want. It's the part where the movie does fall down a bit. That the villain is so convoluted, but also yeah. like so, so under underwritten somehow. So this is like, the thing on my list, and this is a hmm. good time to discuss it. Safin's plan seemed to just be getting revenge on Spectre, which happens in Cuba. He kills. Yes, he he achieves his goal. So then he carries on with the big poison garden and the nanobots and who does he want to kill does he want to kill the rest of the world well i think i think it's it's basically just he's setting himself up as the new specter basically like he's the new blofeld essentially like he he is the most powerful terrorist in the world and anyone who wants to use uh heracles has to come and pay him basically oh i see so, so if, if, that, if someone wants to if someone wants to come and use heracles that they pay him a crazy amount of money i assume and uh, he gives them the version of heracles they need but he's basically setting himself 
himself up as a modern warlord, essentially. Right. It wasn't like um, Moonraker style. I must destroy the earth to rebuild it in my image. No, no. Like, like it's it's far more pure because he says when he's having that face off with James Bond that that he could be looking in a mirror. Except that, like, instead of like physically going out and killing like people, he just sells Heracles to whoever needs it. You know that that's how he sees himself. He sees himself as as like a James Bond type. Obviously, he's not. He's an insane person. <laughs> But that's how he sees himself. That's how he sees the world. It's just kind of going from like the revenge thing to now I'm setting myself up as the supervillain du jour. Exactly. And and part of that is he basically is saying, well, I'm going to keep Madalena as like my captive girlfriend slash pet. Mm. That seems to be the, the plan. And, and I guess he's like, I can take or leave the daughter. Honestly, Bond, if you want to take the kid, that's probably fine. He doesn't seem like it doesn't. The place isn't set up for kids. I feel yeah. like it's not set up, you know, they, they, you'd well, have to put a lot of. You have to put a lot of a lot of those little rubber uh, <laughs> stoppers on things. Seems like a uh, lot of a lot of choking hazards. Yeah, in that particular a lot place. of literally lethal plants. Yes, uh, just that touching would just. Uh... <laughs> what else did I have on my list here just to finish off because there's so many other things that I didn't get to writing down but yes I mentioned okay I mentioned the Shatterhand part Blofeld dies again just going back to what I said before about they killed off Spectre and then they kill off Blofeld which you know I'm not entranced with this particular version of Blofeld so I guess I don't care that much and again I guess why they do it it's a waste of Christoph Waltz and it's a waste of Blofeld like like they you know uh, I guess it thematically works in the sense that he's this guy who had all these plans and and he he ruined james bond's life but then he's like he he just sort of dies by accident almost in a cell you know and he kind of he kind of says that he's like you know we're we're two old men discussing like who's who's ruined our lives you know like the movie is aware of what it's doing but i just don't like that that's what they decided to do yeah i wrote too i made a note that um james bond is a dad so he has to drive an suv (laughs) 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 yes yeah when it, and I, I don't know why Madeline sort of tries to say, oh, she's not yours, she's not yours. And he's like, but the blue eyes? No, I, I, I get it. Like, like she, She's saying she's mine, she's not yours. Yeah. Like, like you you walked away, you made a choice that ah, I wasn't going to be a part of your life. So she's not funny. yours, she's mine, basically. Like, like it's thematic. Like, like obviously it's his biological kid, yeah. but she's like, she's not yours. That's a new thing that Bond didn't do either. And I wonder if that, because, I mean, I think it's sort of well known that Craig, you know, said I'd come back if you kill me off. Yeah. But I wonder if he was the one who kind of suggested the whole, because as soon as they said it was going to be set like five years after Spectre, I went, ding, there's going to be a kid involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you did. You, you, you clocked that there was going to be a kid pretty early on. I thought I did. I don't think I'm bullshitting that. But yeah, I was like, that's that's enough of a gap to have a like a viable child, if that makes sense. Yeah, like like, like a young child who could be put in peril. Yes, that's right. But has enough personality to be like adorable. You know, not saying that babies are adorable, but like you can you can do a lot more with like, oh my god, it's the you know, it's a small person. You know, absolutely. But but I I do like Matilde has like one of the best scenes in the film where she like she like bites Saffin's hand until he has to put her down, and he, yeah. he's like he's really frustrated. He's like, but he's talking to her like he has no idea how to relate to a child. Yeah. So he's just like, if you do not want my protection, you know, and she and she's just like. You know, I'm 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 leaving. I'm yeah, going. So she, she just knows, turns around and leaves. She knows he's like, well, well, she's made her choice. It's, it's, it's like, good. Let's her go. And then I like the fact that Madeline and Bond are storming around the old missile base, going, "Oh my god, we've got to find the kid." And then she just gets out and goes, "Mum, um, yeah, I was just hiding, like you told me. Like, yeah. damn, <laughs> damn right, kid. Damn sensible kid. Give that kid a medal." 
sensible, good, good girl. Give that kid a badge and a gun and put her into MI6. She's a nut. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so when they realise that they're being hunted, in he finds her in Norway. It doesn't really explain how he knows where she is because she says to him, he says, where are you going? And she says, home. And then he knows to go find her in Norway. That's her home? Like that's her, that's the house that she, the, 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 at the start of the movie too. Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. But how does Bond know that? She told him at some stage, like that's where she lived, okay. I guess. That's fair. I mean, we have to assume that. This is the thing. Like, like I, I agree it's, it's convoluted, but we have to assume that at some stage- yeah. She told him like the precise location of her childhood home. Location, but I, yeah. I just wonder, like, who was looking after the kid when she was in London? Like, did she have a nanny? I assume she did. I mean, probably. Also, yeah, probably. Would you? Wanna... The, the kid was probably the kid was probably with her in in London. Yeah, but like, she wasn't there at this prison. She has to have had some childcare. No, sure, yeah. But I assume she she <laughs> took her to childcare, like like most people do. It's pretty intense that you know nobody knew about the daughter. I was like, okay. Nobody checked her passport when she comes in and out and sort of goes, hey, look. <laughs> like MI5, MI6 can't look up Madeline Swan and go, oh, look, she's logged her daughter on for childcare services or her daughter's logged on the vaccine system or something. I don't know. Her daughter wasn't like a, a secret child. Like, like she it was just that. It was secret. Well, it was just that Bond didn't know she had a, a kid, but, but, but why, no, why would he? Nobody in MI6 knew. Yeah, but it, like, didn't, it didn't seem like she was very, like, hanging out in the, in the lunchroom. Oh, I know. But comparing yeah. parenting tips. Like, you know, <laughs> she seemed pretty standoffish. <laughs> true, true, true. I doubt she would go into MI6, but what I mean is I would have. Anyway, it doesn't matter. For some reason, I just assumed that she would, like, leave Norway, go to London to talk to Blofeld and leave the kid by herself in Norway in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look no, up. I, I, I think I, I think she was living in London. Like she was living in London, and then she retreated to like the childhood home. Right. Okay. Again, I just figured that would be something that they would have clocked about her. But uh, what do I know? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Lynch is targeting or is tracking Lashana Lynch. Nomi, 007. The new 007 is tracking Logan Ash, and she's like, "I'll send you her location." Or Money Penny is, "I'll send you her location." He's like, "I thought she was tracking Ash, not me." And then realizes oh, they're closing in, and so they closing load in. up. They load up, and they get into what I can only assume is Madeline's four wheel drive. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Which makes sense because, you know, he has to traverse a bunch of like creeks and stuff and land. So having a, you know, an all wheel drive probably makes sense. But I just love that it was like, oh, look, he's got a, he's a dad now. He needs well, a sensible family car. Do you know, do you know what the, the, literally the answer to that is, is that they already had the baby seat set up in the back of the four wheel drive. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? He didn't have the baby seat in the Aston Martin, nor, yeah, would, yeah. nor would it fit. They don't have time. That's what I mean. Get in the four-wheel drive. I get it, Stu. I get it. It's like it's got the sensible child restraints you need to keep. (laughs) And, you know, it's got that, like, once they got into the creeks, you know, the four-wheel drive is a lot better, I assume. It's like, Natalie, I don't don't know whether you've ever, like, had to, like, take out one of those things and put them in a different (laughs) car, but they are a pain in the ass. If you're you're in a hurry, I'm sorry. I have heard that car seats are one of the most frustrating elements of, uh, of parenting young children. They are a bane of every parent's existence. Well, and don't you have to get you, the fire department to come out and install them or something? In Australia, at least, even if you put them in yourself, you have to get some certified installer to like take a look at it and make sure it's okay. Like it's insane. It's it's just the re- most ridiculous thing. So where anyway. do you go? Like where do you go? You to- have to go like, like you go like a lot of the the baby shops like like various like baby outlets right. have like a like a certified place, but I think you can take it to like 
Queensland Transport and get them to look at it as well. Wow. Like it's a whole thing. If you take it out and put it in a different car, technically you're supposed to go and get it reassessed every single time. It's, a, it's an insane oh, process. So no time for that. No time to die and no time to install car restraints in an Aston Martin. That's what they should have called the uh, movie. No time to install child safety. <laughs> I feel like that would have given away a key twist, but yes, but you're right. Kids have to have safety seats in, in, in Australia till like they're 15 or something now. Like, isn't it some crazy... I don't know the exact age. It's more to do with like height. Oh, I see. Yeah, up to a certain age, like like older than you would think. Six feet. <laughs> yeah, once, once you hit six foot, you're fine. You're fine. You can be try- but I didn't... Did you notice that she's in the front seat at the end of the movie? Matilda? Yes, yeah, yeah. And she's driving around. She goes, I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Bond, James Bond. And she looks at her mum and smiles. And I'm like, she should be in the back seat. That's it. It's extremely like, dangerous what you're doing right now, Madeline. She was in the back seat earlier in the film, in the four-wheel drive. Clearly, it's not some weird European rule where you can, you know, sit in the front seat somewhere else. Like, they've obviously done that for cinematic purposes. Forget, like, global supervillains. You're going to be cancelled by your mum's group. Oh, no. Gosh. <laughs> Some of those mums groups sound terrifying. I would not go <laughs> against them. Whoo! That's what you hear from me. It was like mums. No, you want to talk about nanobots? No, no way. Like, that, that's the terror right there. <laughs> I am releasing the mothers groups onto the world. <laughs> Anyone who needs a terrorist hit taken out will come to me and I will customize the mothers groups. <laughs> <laughs> and they will come after you criticizing the installation of your car seats. Uh, breast or bottle feeding will be a <laughs> Did you have a C-section? Well, you didn't well, try it hard enough, did you? They will be extremely passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that your child would be fine on a packed lunch, but mine must have fresh ingredients and only brown <laughs> bread. I make everything personally from scratch, don't you know? <laughs> no prepackaged foods in my little Hugo's trunk. Sorry, I'm judging, aren't I? I'm judging. <laughs> I'm actually trying to be, you know, humble about, you know, the pressures. I'm trying to, I'm trying to show that there's a lot of pressures. Yes, exactly, yes. And I assume on Madeline too. I assume that she would have had much the same problem with her ex-spy partner's mother's groups the support group for women who got knocked up by spies who then ditched them at train stations. I assume Mm. it's not alone. And it's like, well, do you put them into private school or do you kind of keep them close because, you know, someone might want to trade your child for a super weapon at some point. (laughs) (laughs) You know, decisions. These are are all the problems that Bond has avoided by simply getting blown up. Yes. He sure did. And, which, is, uh, which is skipping ahead slightly, um, but, but yes. Skipping like, ahead, um, because the only other thing on my list, and I should, this is sort of a rambling chat, but I will get to your list now. But the last thing on my list was just my sheer outrage that Vesper Lynn turned out to be 23. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the oh. dates on the grave. We're like, oh, my God. I think we talked about this in the Casino Royal podcast, maybe, uh, but certainly we discussed it somewhere along the line, how outraged I was. when It was like, Vesper mm. Lynn, 1983 to 2006. And I went, the fuck? Excuse my language. The fuck? No. How do you become a high-powered treasury official on international diplomatic missions and know how to order a tux for a man without, you know, needing it tailored, without a fitting? At 23, (laughs) sorry, you are drunk in Ibiza on White Claws at 23. That is what you are. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're not, well, you're failing the team, uh, you goody two-shoes. But, yeah, the fact he's, like, looking at the grave and going, I miss you. 
I miss you. Like, I get it. I get that he's there. I get that he misses sure. Vespa. I'm not trying to deny. It's just that she's 23, man. Come on. And I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, was was Eva Green a similar age? He was older. Eva Green is my age. Don't look up how old Eva Green is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that means that in 2006, like, she was she was in her 20s, like, late 20s, yeah, I guess? She was in her mid to late 20s. Mid to late 20s. But she's playing like twenty three. Like, like I don't know why. I, why would they make it specifically that? Yeah, she was playing slightly older. I, I feel. I picked her at like twenty eight to thirty. Still young, but certainly old enough to have had something of a career at that yeah. point. But also old enough to have been recruited by a spy and have this. Sure. Yeah, and do you know what I mean? Like, she would have had to go to uni she, to to be that clever and be in treasury. She would have had to go to uni for at least three years. So that's sure, exactly. Yeah. So we're supposed to believe she got into a high-powered treasury position and had this big recruiting thing at 23. Like, I just don't buy it. I mean, I know people in the past were a lot older than we are now (laughs) because they all left school at 12 and were grandparents at 20. I get it. But that movie was set in 2006. It was obviously set because we we explicitly know now that it was set in the year it came out. Um, So it's not like like they're they're living in the past at all. Like, it's, it's, it's tied to a certain time. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. And angry. If you want to talk about crazy things to do with age, like the whole issue of how old Safin is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and how old Madeline is supposed to be, I guess. She looked like she was maybe 10 in that pre-credit. Yeah, like, like you, you think like probably 10, like upper limit 12, I guess. Like like yeah. definitely not a teenager. Yeah, pre-teen. Um, pre-teen, between sort of 9 to 11, I guess. And mm. like how old is Safin supposed to be? Well, he seems to be in the photos that they showed of him as a boy. He seemed to be maybe the same age. So like maybe 12 or something. Right, but, but the yeah. person who shows up the person to, who shows to up- murder her mother is a grown-up man see i started thinking about going well maybe he's like 18 to 20 you know maybe he's spent his teenagehood you know bent on revenge and right he's kind of legal he goes to you know to to make something happen that's true i I guess we don't know exactly how long after he was poisoned he goes to kill her mother so yeah like he could be a little bit older yeah that's what i'm thinking like he's a grown man but because we never see his face we can't sort of see if he's a youth you know like an 18 year old who's gone you know, I've spent all my teenage years cramming my fists into a ball and going, I will have revenge and (laughs) getting some mad skills and buying some masks and trying them on to work out which one suits the best. And And I guess, I guess the the idea of him being like a 17 year old or something showing up with a machine gun and then like a 10 year old getting the drop on him and shooting him a bunch of times. Yeah. um, It makes a lot more sense than if he's like a grown man. Like how did he survive that? She shot him good. Yeah. She got him a couple of times, including like enough to like shoot the mask off, like, like shatter the mask. Yeah. Yeah, but his face was not injured, just the mask was. Yeah, just the mask was injured in a, in a cool, like, stylistically compelling way. But, yeah, like, she shot him a bunch of times and then he just sort of gets up like a horror movie villain. That whole sequence is filmed like a horror movie, like a slasher movie almost. And yeah. then he sort of comes out, shoots. How was she, well, she able to drag him? Like, she's able to drag, I guess maybe once she gets him on the ice, you can kind of use the ice as it's slippery. Yeah, but I guess. A old girl is able to drag a grown man. So maybe that's more evidence of why he's a youth. Maybe he's a spry, you know, 17-year-old. I, I guess, yeah. And she's been benching in her spare time. <laughs> and then that and then that, that sort of tracks in, I guess, because you know, I assume Madeline's like somewhere in her 30s. Like, like, I mean, five years go by, so I'm I'm unclear as to how old she's supposed to be Inspector. Like, I, I assume she was like early well, 30s that, Inspector. We can actually time it due to the fact that she's using a Tamagotchi in that opening credit sequence. She's <laughs> 
So if she's, Fair enough, about, yes. she's about 10 and that, see that to me, Tamagotchi's to me seems to be like a 96, 97, 98, maybe. Sure. So Did you think that was deliberately placed? Like, like the fact, the fact that it would have been like mid nineties and, and he's gone, what, what, what would, what would a kid be playing with in the mid nineties that could make a noise? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, they're hardly going to have, clever, playing, actually. They're hardly gonna have her playing Goldeneye on the old Nintendo, are they? <laughs> On the N64. They might. I mean, everyone everyone was playing it. Everyone was, but that's going to be some self-referential. Can't, can't come right now. Mum, I'm just blowing up Angel Facility in Russia with Natalia. James Bond. Yeah, yeah, it's a James Bond game. Yeah, it's just a weird <laughs> made-up guy. It doesn't exist. Uh, so, yes, they had a playing at Tamagotchi. So that that's the only reason I pegged that at, like, mid-'90s. So 90 – when did Tamagotchis come out? 96, 97 is when I sort of feel like they were big. Sure, um, yeah. Maybe 98. So that puts her at, you know, when the Spectre went down at maybe 30 or 29 or something. And so in this okay. moment, like 35. Yeah, so that, that puts him sort of mid-30s mid and it puts yeah. Safin in his, in his 40s somewhere. Yeah, in his early 40s. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I, I guess that, that does make sense. Again, we had to take a long walk to get there and the movie yeah. – the movie makes you ask those questions when it really shouldn't. Yes. It's like, yes. Ha- hang on, what, what's, how is that working? How is that fitting together? And the pieces do fit together, but you have to really do the shoe lever the, to figure it, figure it out, you know? Yeah, exactly. But basically that's my list, I think. Oh, except for one final little tidbit. Did you notice at one point where M is um, sort of feeling regret, and this is Ray Fiennes as M, and he kind of is looking up a corridor and you can see a picture of Judy Dench. Yes. At the end of the corridor, like it lit, beautifully lit, like yep. a former M. And I was like, oh, it's Judy Dench. And then it cuts back to him and Tanner comes out, Rory Kinnear comes out and says, oh, we've got this and this is happening. And he says, oh, tell Bond this. Issue some order. And I realised that up to his right, so on left of screen, there was another portrait and I realised it was Bernard Lee. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I I didn't clock that at all. Oh, no, sorry. If it wasn't him, it was the guy who was the um, minister. Maybe it was the minister, the defence minister in some of the Roger Moore films, if it wasn't Bernard Lee. I oh, okay. Was, you know, I think maybe I saw it wrong, but he was definitely a, an old Bond character, so I wouldn't be surprised if Bernard Lee was there too. But I think he might have been the defence minister now that I think about it. I'll have to rewatch. But, yeah, it was like, right. a, little, it was like a little tribute to, like, former Just to for, former parts of this particular universe. Yeah. universe, yeah. Which I thought was really sweet. That's uh, nice had a moment so i have to go back and find it again. I, I did i did notice the judy dench photo i didn't notice the other one yeah it, it just um, so happened that my eyes happened to be drawn up and i went oh i recognize that face so i thought that was sweet <laughs> um, but yes over to you Stu. <laughs> uh, right I, well we've touched on a lot of these points already but uh, I'll, I'll race through them um so the first item on my list obviously is front of mind they actually killed him you know they they, they really did it I don't know. It might be a good point to to discuss this. Like, I mean, what do you think of that decision? Like, do you think it was it was a good decision? I mean, it, for me, it works in the context of this specific film. This this film is obviously set up yes. to justify that eventual yes. occurrence. Yeah. But I, I feel like it works for the film. I feel like it doesn't work for the franchise, if that makes sense. And I, I guess that's the right way to do it. But it just seems it seems so strange that the Daniel Craig era is so locked off from the rest of the franchise, if that makes sense. Like, like 
it is its own hermetically sealed thing, even though Judy Dench was a holder, like a lot of the characters were holdovers from the, the Brosnan era. It starts off with Bond's first mission, yes. you know, and, and as I've lamented in the past, we immediately then pivot to him as a grizzled veteran who's constantly coming out of retirement, yeah. which we get again in this movie because this, this, this franchise has to keep referencing the fact that Bond is so old. It's so weird that they start off with him as a vibrant young agent and then they immediately go, no, 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 we, we need to go back to him being like decrepit old bastard. Is they were trying to make Daniel Craig look good for his age or something? Were they trying to were they trying to get around the fact that Daniel Craig was, you know, by the time of this movie? No, it was because it was because the second film was Quantum of Solace, which was basically yeah. Casino Royale Part Two. Yeah. And then the very next film was Skyfall, which had to reckon with the entire fifty year history of the character. Yes. So they had to make him a grizzled old veteran to give him the gravitas of the series history. Yeah. And he's been suffering from that ever since because he's supposed to be like this vital, but, but you know, I, I feel like he aged, he aged into the grizzled old veteran role because he looks very old in this film. He looks amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. Daniel Craig looks oh. incredible. Did you but see? But he's, he's yeah. visibly tired. He's an older man in this film. He, he's got like a craggy face, if that makes sense. Like, he's yeah, and I mean, he always, he always did, but That's the, what I the mean. crags are more pronounced. He's got, you know, he's got experience on his face. Um, sure. But he, like, did you see in the shower scene where you almost see a little bit of like, hello, <laughs> a bit of his Danny boy, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Indeed, um, yes. He is still cut. Like he's got the oh, gut. He no, he's got the hip gutters thing going. Hey, like, like he's in incredible shape, in incredible yeah. shape. And I'm sure, you know, like he would have worked out like crazy for that particular scene. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, don't get me wrong. Daniel Craig, for a man like half his age, is in incredible shape. But he, he is he is visibly an older man in this film. And they and they play up the fact that he's an older man. Like, and, I, I, and that, that, that works again for, the, for this specific film where he's retired and out of the game and and it's five years after everything that's happened it makes sense it's just that it's one of those things that's always bugged me about this era where they started off with him as this young vital double o agent just starting out and then they immediately pivot to grizzled old veteran and then they never sort of get out of that mode mm. and he's always he's always having to be come out of retirement and and do things you know it's it's just they spend nearly an hour of the film justifying him being in retirement and then he comes back anyway because of course he's going to come back like it, it just feels like such a weird wasted detour you know even though it all it all makes sense it all makes sense within the film but it's just one of those things that just really bugs me how they constantly have to have daniel craig's bond be retired and out of the game and then he has to get pulled back in you know it's just, it's just a well they go back to again and again and again they can't do that anymore <laughs> they certainly can't. It'll be interesting to see what happens. We can talk about that in a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah, but yeah. Well, just to answer your question, I, yeah. I do agree with you, which makes for a dull podcast, I know. I still, <laughs> I don't know that it hurts the franchise is the only thing because just thinking about it laterally, I still stand by my initial reaction of like, you can't kill James Bond. Because I think, that, <laughs> you know, he's the original superhero and obviously he's not, Superman is older. Sure, whatever. But to me, he's the original superhero. You, you, you know, he gets out of it. That's part of the charm. Well, he's the original super spy. True, true. But he, he gets out of it. You know, he, he gets yeah. the girl and there's a, there's a fun, you know, sexy ending. This was heartbreak and family. And I wonder if Daniel Craig, because I think he had had a kid by this time. So I wonder as mm. well as the whole, I want to die in this film, but like Bond should have a family and like have that emotional journey because that's not something he's had before. And so I kind of peg Craig as the sort of actor who's like, oh, I will come back if I can do something different or I can add something. Yeah. 
you know, I can I can plumb some emotional depths. Uh, and he does that. Like his whole last thing is like, I love you and you've created the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And all this like emotion coming from James Bond, who's, you know, right. the blunt instrument. So I think it allows them, you know, thinking about it in a different way, it allows the franchise to kind of put Matilda and, and Madeline are still alive, but it allows them to be kind of, they literally drove off into the sunset. So, yeah. or into a tunnel, I guess, but there was a sunset at the end of it. There was that, a light at the end of the tunnel. That, you know, Loki style time stream is now off here and we can bring James Bond back without like a burden of family and relationship and he can get back to, you know, sleeping with a whole bunch of people. Th- that's true. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not concerned about like the timey-wiminess of it all. Like, I mean, the, the, the franchise for a long time has been just divorced from any sort of continuity. Like, like yeah. it, it's, it's fine. Like, like yeah. to be honest, I, w- I would like them to get less continuity really yeah. um, you know like, like I, I feel like the Craig era has been has been burdened a little bit with the by being so serialized in many ways like like you don't get the sense that there's like been adventures between films you know what I mean like, like you you got the sense in the earlier films that Bond would show up and and there's been other missions there's been other things he's been doing we're showing up now and we're seeing this mission even in Dalton's two films you get the sense that yeah. Dalton's been you know getting all about the place he's been doing stuff you know like, yeah. like he has history yeah. So I, I, even though I didn't like the decision, I think it's been able to allow me to put that cap in the Daniel Craig era and go, ah, it's its own thing. It's sure. you know, the James Bond franchise. And then there's the James Bond franchise, the Craig generation, like Degrassi High or something. <laughs> It lets me kind of think of it as one era and I can go, right, that's its own thing. Even though it's still, you know, you have the Connery era, the Roger Moore era, the Dalton era, you know, the Brosnan era. The Craig era is much more the Craig era. <laughs> this I'm not explaining myself very well. No, 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 I, I totally get it. But, but it, it, it shows how important Daniel Craig has been to the franchise overall, I think, that the Broccolis were like, yeah, absolutely, you get to, ha- you get, to get the grace note. Yes. That, yes. that no other Bond, not even Connery got this. No. You know, Con- Connery got fired, basically. Connery left. I honestly don't think they would have had, like, countered the idea of having this happen. And I think that's just because now there's been 25 films. And this is yeah, the 25th that's right. film. And you, you know, you kind of want to go, hey, let's do something daring. There is a, I hesitate to use the word, but there's there's an arrogance to it as well. Like, like just that that this version of Bond gets to have yeah. like the complete arc. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. even Sean Connery didn't get to have like a proper goodbye. You know what I mean? Like it, we, it just sort of. We dumped Pierce Brosnan with a phone call saying. Yeah, that exactly. Needed. But Daniel Craig gets to dictate everything he wants to do. Yeah. 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 It's, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic. For sure. I, I don't hate it. But it is strange. I mean, I guess the thing is, is that he's made the most amount of money for the franchise. Um, (laughs) Well, that's true. Like he has. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And he's had universal acclaim. Like I don't think there's anyone who doesn't like. Oh, no. I mean, he's one of the best Bonds. Like, I mean, let's let's not go crazy. Like he's he's been fantastic. He's no George Lazenby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is true. Who is? George Lazenby. (laughs) On with your list, you. 
Yes, yes. So the next item on my list was just, uh, I, I just wrote down, I love this cast, referring to all the regulars. Like, I, I really love that scene at the end yeah. where all the regulars are, are gathered. And, and this this era of, of Bond has really, like, developed, like, a really cool little cast of characters that I'll be sorry to see go, because I assume they're clearing house. Well, I think even Ben Whishaw has said that, that he... Yeah, um, he's not coming back as Q, and, 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 and uh, you know, I assume Naomi Harris won't come back as, as Moneypenny, and, and probably Ray Fiennes won't come back as as M probably get recast on things although maybe they won't maybe they'll keep everyone and just like never mention it again I I think (laughs) that would be great actually I think they could keep M because they kept Judy Dench so but then does that do they want to make a hard break right at that point like yeah. like do they want to avoid because there was a lot of confusion there like like that that caused a lot of confusion when yeah. judy dench continued into daniel craig's era yeah, and it's like well hang on a second like like so she was around for pierce brosnan but then She's around for when Daniel Craig is doing his first double O missions. Like, what's going on? There was some confusion there. I I think they'll do a they'll do a full hard reset, which is probably smart. I but it's a shame true. to lose all these people. Even Tanner, like Tanner, became like this this recurring character that was actually quite cool. I, I don't think I'll be sad to lose um, Money Penny. I just I feel like Naomi Harris is I don't know. It's just sort of been a nothing. Maybe they just haven't given her enough stuff to do, but... Oh, I don't know. I thought she had good chemistry with Craig. Yeah, I just... Maybe it's that whole thing from Skyfall where I'm like, they just, at the end, we've never been properly introduced. What the fuck? You've been training and on a mission together. How do you not know each other? That's a weird thing. I mean, that that's... Yeah. Stu, I draw the line sometimes. You know I do. I I know. That's where Natalie draws the line. And that forever scarred me to this version of Money Penny. It's not her fault. Like it's not her fault. I just think that maybe no, she they like, they wanted a, a cute twist at the yeah. end, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't yeah, anyway. And they wanted the Money Penny to be less flirtatious with James, which you know, yes, Money Penny is more than just flirting with James, but it's a kind of a key thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like she flirts with him in Skyfall, like she shaves him and stuff in Skyfall, and it's all like flirty, flirty. But then that's too much. Like, it's supposed to be the promise of, uh, again, I get why they did it, but, you know, Natalie draws the line. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorry. Carry on with your, with your list. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just just to put um, a cap on that. I I was just, yeah, I, 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 I think all the regulars like did a great job and yeah, I'll be sorry to see them go as well. Like we're not just losing a bond. We're losing like this entire company. So I think that's, that's, it's worth sort of pointing out that like, I, I really like like the whole gang. They, they had a little gang sort of going on. It was, it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. Q, Q has so much to do in all of these films. Oh, he does. It's great. I love it. Cause he only really comes in in Skyfall, doesn't he? He wasn't in the first two. Ben Whishaw. Yeah, no, no, I don't. Yeah, no, it was Skyfall that Ben Whishaw came in. I'm trying to remember what whether they had like a Q figure in the first one. He goes to see the quartermaster, but he's it's not Q. Then in the second one, he doesn't really. Yeah, he's t- sort of already uh, out on the mission. He's already out doing stuff, and, and he's he's off the grid too. Like in in Quantum of Solace, he's like a rogue agent. Yeah. So it's yeah. only Skyfall. It's only Skyfall that we really get, and it's only Skyfall we get most of these these guys. So we've had them for three movies basically. Yeah. Um, we- but they've they've really left a mark. I, I like the little MI6 gang. It's it's cool. Mm. Yeah. The, um, surprisingly effective even though they've only been you know three movies the next item on my list is once again uh bond is forced out of retirement i just sort of made a note of that we've already talked about that next item on my list i just wrote nanobots uh <laughs> i wrote lashana lynch is wasted in this movie i felt certainly on certainly on rewatch i was like man they don't give her lots to do and she's kind of she's kind of a patsy for a lot of the movie she's set up as the cocky new double o agent who 
Bond sort of shows up in the in the first part of the film and she's very antagonistic towards him in a yeah. slightly unusual way, which is obviously meant to set up their eventual like mutual respect. Mm. But I feel like they they do too much and not enough somehow to, yeah. to set up that dynamic. So by the end, when she says, oh, he can be 007, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. It's yeah. like, why would she say that? Like, it doesn't matter, it, except for the fact that, like, you have to have Bond be 007 at some point in his own movie. Yeah. And I guess they have to, you know, because if it was anyone but her assigning the numbers, then it would be, it would look like, oh, great. So they just take her number off her as a woman. You know, they just remove her number from her. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Whereas she, she willingly gives it up, which yeah, makes it, it okay, has, I it guess. It has to be her. And that's, yeah, as you say, that's her nod, the cap, nod of the cap, touch of the cap, flap of the cap, tap of the cap. <laughs> What's that expression? Nod of the head. Tip of the hat? Tip of the hat? That's her tip of the hat to Bond going, actually, okay, I respect you now. But again, it, it feels like a weirdly empty gesture. Like, and, and, it, and, it, and Bond kind of plays it so cool as to be like, nonchalant like like flippant he's yeah. like oh just a number haha <laughs> it's like no no it's a big deal man come on <laughs> you're 007 you're 007 they'd said that he's back as a double o and she's like double o what and he doesn't answer and then she says double o what but we never know like what was it what was he for a minute yeah no i mean for a for a hot second he was like double o nine or something and then they're like <laughs> Like they, they must have a lot of numbers. One would assume. Yeah, exactly. Like you assume. The next time on my list is, and possibly controversial opinion, Leah Sado is the most boringly good actress I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I find her so uncompelling as an actress. I, I, I know she's doing incredible work. Like she's doing very subtle but very like powerful acting in this movie, mm. and none of it is hitting me. Like it really doesn't. I, I, I find her boring to watch i don't know how to be nicer about it like it's just she just doesn't connect with me and she didn't she didn't in the previous film either there's sort of a distance to her i think whereas vespa had this vitality that was sure yeah yeah and whatnot i'm not even comparing them in terms i mean uh, we've we've talked before that they got the casting perfect with vespa and casino royale because she just crackles with Daniel Craig. I just don't, I don't get how suddenly Madeline is like the person he's going to leave it all for in the way that Vesper was. I just don't get it. Like maybe other people do. She just doesn't make that connection with me at all. I find her uncompelling as a screen presence, <laughs> which sounds really harsh, but I just, oh man. I had a bit more sympathy for her this time than on the first watch, I think. All the stuff about her having to hide and having to survive. Like there's a point where she's talking to yeah. Safin about what she did to survive. And obviously she's, she's She's got skills with a gun, like on two occasions when she's a kid and then you see it again in that forest scene, um, which we should talk about, by the way, where Bond comes back and she's shot, you know, a couple of dudes. Obviously then Safin takes her and gets her away. But uh, the the fact that she can... Oh, no, she shoots... Um, Bond has the, the girl and then there's a couple of gunshots and there's a guy behind him and she takes him out. Yeah, and and, she, and you're right, she does take out some other guys as well when she's, they come to... Yeah, she's handy. Her and then she runs out of bullets, basically. Yeah, she's handy with a gun. Like, she kind of... There's, there's a mark where she talks to, I think, Safin about being a survivor, like she did what she had to do to survive. So I get the sense that she's more like damaged maybe by what she's had to go through as like the daughter of this assassin. Yeah. Who's tried to somehow has managed to become, you know, a top psychologist in her field. <laughs> Psychiatrist, psychologist in her field. Keep her head down until this sort of stuff comes up. So, yeah, it's 
I had a bit a bit more sympathy for as as you say she's certainly a, a good actor it's not bad it's just it just wasn't connecting with me I, I it, 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 the problem may be entirely with me because I know that Leah Sado is a, is a renowned actress like and has mm. been in like incredible movies and, and has done acclaimed well, performances we, we just saw her in Robin Hood with uh, Oscar Isaac <laughs> we sure did we sure did long ago if you listen to um, our Robin Hood Robin on podcast yes exactly yeah I, it doesn't connect with me and it kind of undermines the film a little for for, for me but I, I freely admit that that's possibly a me problem rather than the film problem yeah um, <laughs> although you know like you know maybe other people found the same thing and i think they liked her enough to bring her back is the point they didn't necessarily have to bring her back there were all sorts of things they could have done including recast her and they didn't like they the, the, they obviously liked her performance enough inspector that they wanted to reprise and then actually has there been a role like that previously there hasn't really has there like Apart in, 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 in the Bond franchise Sylvia Trench is in. Uh... <laughs> I mean, we, is she on the Sylvia Trench level? And then she's in uh, From Russia with Love as Bond's kind of go-to gal in London. That's true. Yeah, I guess yeah, she's she's up there with Sylvia Trench. The only one that you could say is Judy Dench's M. That's the only other one that you could kind of conceivably say. Well, yeah, but I mean, then then yeah, I mean that that's sort of on the level of like you know Q or M, like like you know like, like Bernard, Bernard Lee was in in a bunch of films. I'm 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 thinking like a character like that who isn't part of the MI6 ensemble, but right. who travelled from one film. And obviously the type of story that they're telling necessitated this, but I feel like it's it's extremely unusual for the franchise to sort of bring back a character like that. Normally it would just move on. Yes. If anything, there would be some quick expositionary dialogue. Oh, it didn't work out or something like that, you know? I guess the only thing I could answer that to is like the fact that Vespa had such a big role to play in Quantum of Solace. Like she wasn't around. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Her, funnily enough, Spectre hung over that film. Do you see what I did there? I do see what you've done oh, there, yes. Yeah, very nice. The next item on my list, by contrast, Anna de Aramis is a goddamn delight. Oh, my um, God. Just wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. That entire sequence should have been the movie. Uh, like, yeah. like, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and doing so much to very subtly but very firmly, like, undermine the idea of a Bond girl. While still being an ultimate. While, while still being absolutely 100% a Bond girl. Yeah. But like doing a lot of very, very clever stuff to undermine this sort of notion of the Bond girl that like Bond, you know, teams up with and probably seduces at one point, you know, and, and she like, she like very, very clearly at one point is like, oh no, no, no. Like he makes a joke and she's just sort of like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, just shuts him down straight away. Don't you think it, by the end, he's, so by the end he's mixing her a martini. It's great. It's perfect. Yeah, it's what a wonderful shot. journey. He pours her a shot of something and says salute and they down their shot and then go back to killing people. Yeah. One of my favourite things from that bit is where he grabs a tray to throw at a, the Russian scientist. He grabs this tray which has a martini on it or some sort of drink on it. I think it's a martini. And he grabs it off this waiter, throws the tray. Tray hits the Russian scientist down. Yeah. He then looks at the drink, takes a swig and then just throws it away. Yeah. I think I would have to say, just to get back to Anna in a second, but that sequence in Cuba from him, you know, getting off, meeting, getting off, getting off, like he sails into Uh Cuba, I think, into Santiago, uh, meeting her at the, you know, at the drink stand, getting dressed, them going to the party, the whole sequence, and then her like seeing him off and him getting the guy onto the plane. I think that would have to be probably one of my top five, like Craig era bits of a film. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like they 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 revel in the James Bond of it all. Yeah. In a way that the Craig era very rarely does. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's stuff from Casino Royale, like the interrogation scene, obviously, is like super intense. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, there's great stuff. But this Bond, the girl, her impossible, impossible dress. Impossible dress. Impossible dress. Like the strappiest, spaghettiest of spaghetti straps. <laughs> a chest you could land a plane on. It's a, like a, a ravine of a neckline. Yeah, just like how much boob tape was involved there. She's wearing high heels. She's able to kick down a whole bunch of dudes. She's like a tiny, tiny woman who kicks down these dudes and then literally shoots them when she's on the floor, like grabs a gun and shoots them around in a circle, which again is like another clock motif, another, uh, you know, another clock motif. She's literally going into clockwise, no, clockwise and like shooting dudes around on the floor. And then they have the drink and then she's like, okay, this is my stop. Here's a cigar for Felix. Don't forget. Yeah. Just as a little sequence. And like just, they, they shake hands with a mutual respect. I, I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. He says, you were excellent. And she says, you were, you too. Or, you <laughs> just, just, just great. So I think, yeah, that would, that would have to mark a, a highlight of, you know, the whole franchise. It was uh, wonderful. Little it was great. wonderful. I, I wish that the whole film had that energy and joy to it because the rest of the film is very elegaic. Yeah. Even with the crazy Blofeld, like, aha, Bond, I see you. Woohoo. <laughs> crazy bionic eye like I can forgive it because it's it's so it really did have that whole look here's a party with all the bad guys like I know I was joking about how all of them you know how could all of them make it no sure but but it's it's extremely fun James Bondy type stuff like here's all the bad guys are at a party and then James Bond walks in in a tuxedo yeah but then oh the tables have turned and now he's the one who's about to be killed and he's like what the hell's gonna happen to me and then no wait there's a twist it's actually you've been double crossed you know it's just yeah, super fun, super fun. Yeah. I remember appreciating that a lot from the first film, but I really, really dug it even more this time around. Yeah, absolutely. The final thing that I just noted um, was that, uh, you know what, the, the the end still got me. It still got me. Like, like that, that final, I, I didn't buy Craig's speech to Madeline in the house. I felt like it was overwritten and maybe it was deliberately so, I'm not sure. But just him talking to Madeline over the radio, yeah. like at the end, it's like, man, damn it, it got me. Like it just, you know. I mean, the thing is, it's a weirdly, just to go back to this whole issue of him, you know, dying. I mean, the main reason he died is that he was badly wounded and how could you get off that island when he was stuck at the top? And, the, you know, the, the timing, again, comes down to timing. But Bond always gets himself out of these situations somehow. Maybe there sure. was another boat or something. But he was like, he'd literally been shot several times by Safin. So he yeah. was wounded and then he had the nanobots and it was like he went, oh, a life where I can't touch and hold my family was not worth yeah. living. That's it, exactly. And part of me at the time was still like, it's like, yeah, but you could have seen them. Like you could just could have had to stay in like a, you would have seen each other in across, you know, you know, you could have see, still seen your daughter grow up. Like, is that not worth living even if you can't touch them? It's like, like I get it. It's poetic and romantic and, you know, tragic and stuff to, to be like, if I can't touch you, then I'll, you know, what's the point? So I get, like, I get, again, I get it, I get it, I get it. But he, you could also have said, no, I will, I will see you from a, a distance and we will, you know, talk and we will well, be. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways that you could have avoided <laughs> blowing up your main character on, on screen. Yeah. But like, that's what they wanted to do. And so they, they chose a poetic way for him to go out. And I, I, I appreciated that. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I just appreciated the, the, the moment. I like, like this guy who was defined by not having connections to anyone and deliberately keeping people at arm's length. Mm. He was saying, you know, this, this is 
it's good. Like, like every good part of her comes from you. Yeah. You know, and, and that'll be that'll be enough. Yeah. She she doesn't need me in her life, but she needs you and she's got you. So that'll be okay. Yeah. And I'll I'm I'm okay with that. That's right. You know, like that that's you know, it got me. I was I was like, you know, I've got mm. a I've got a daughter. Like it's it's like, you know, oh. you just you just really so you can't understand unless you have a kid. Is that what you're saying, Stu? Uh, no, no, I, I just, uh, I just, I'm talking, per, you know, purely about my personal experience. Um, I get it. It was very, uh, yeah, no, no. So I, 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 the ending definitely got me. As much as I can intellectually sort of talk about it, you know, in the in the broader context of the the franchise, like the the ending works. It, mm. it totally works. Yeah, it does. Like it, it definitely. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I was outraged, but. In the Craig era, it makes total sense. In the context of, of the Daniel Craig era of James Bond, it makes total sense. In terms of the overall franchise, I'm like, oh, man, I, I just, it's so weird that this particular era of, of the franchise just got so much primacy, if that makes sense. Although they, they have been some of the, like, it's got a couple of the best films in the series. Like, I mean, my, my personal top Bond film is Casino Royale. It's a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- this is not a perfect movie, but it's pretty good. It's not bad. Well, my problem with ranking this film is that I've completely lost all of my rankings. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's been that long. It's been that long that I don't know where I would put it, but I would definitely put it higher than Spectre. Oh, yes, God. Um, yeah. And I think I would put it higher than Skyfall. Um, oh, see, no, I, see I, I didn't. I think Skyfall I, works as a movie far better than this one does. The villain, like Safin lets it down. Safin is a mess yeah, of, of that's, a villain. Oh, you think so? I, th- I think so. I think he's a mess. I think he's he's a, a the movie has to bend itself backwards to to fit him into the movie. But he's so key to everything that goes on. It's it's just a it's just a convoluted mess. Like I I understood it. Like it hung together better than I gave it credit for on first watch. But I still think that the whole Safin side of the of the film is just disconnected from from everything else. It's just so underwritten. Weirdly, that's interesting. I mean, he definitely has that hour at the start where he's not in it at all. Yeah, he's just absent from the movie because they have to do so much so much shoe leather to to get them into the positions like and and to to get bond to retire only to immediately have him called back into service you know what i mean like it, yeah. it's just wheel spinning <laughs> like a, a lot of it is necessary to set stuff up but like maybe maybe write it differently then <laughs> you know like you can say after the fact oh we had to do that because we had to set this up it's like we'll write something different yeah i guess i flip flop with skyfall because of the home alone thing at the end <laughs> See, I love that. I love that stuff. Like, I do love it, but sometimes I go, oh. So maybe it would be around the same place as I would have Skyfall. Okay. I'm just looking. I'm looking at rankings. I've found one of mine which has up to 22. So it's got Casino Royale, but I don't have a Quantum of Solace in there. So that must be I haven't. I mean, that would have been lower oh. down, I assume. Yeah, I think low, Quantum of Solace was maybe around the sort of 15, 16, 17 place. And then Skyfall mm. was maybe around the 11 or 12. I'm just looking at some of the other films where. Okay, it wow. Might- well, I mean, for, for the record, like like Skyfall for me is in my number five spot, That's which right. is. Which is quite high. Casino Royale is one. My ranking is Casino Royale, Goldfinger, From Russia With Love, The Spy Who Loved Me, and then Skyfall. That's my top five. GoldenEye is number six. It just got edged out. Maybe I would revisit that. I'm I'm looking at this list now with with like a year's worth of hindsight going, some of these movies are way higher than they should be. (laughs) Well, I mean- when you rank in order and then you're sort of putting places. Well, exactly. That's the the fun of it. So so for for me, number six is 
I've got Diamonds Are Forever in my seventh spot because I really, I like that movie a lot more than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, uh, and then number eight, Dr. No. Yes. And then in my ninth spot, I've put No Time to Die. Okay. So nine. number nine, just ahead of the 10th place on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which this movie cribs a lot from. So I think that's probably appropriate. Yeah. Um, I look at my list now and I'm like, wow, how did I have that one so low? And how did I have that one so high? But I remember that I kind of stuffed up early on by putting Dr. No and From Russia With Love where I put them. You, you put them very high. No, I put or, them- or you put them very low, didn't you? So this is my ranking where I where I have it, but I think this would stay the same even with the additional Craigs in there, which I haven't right. kind of ranked in here yet. I've got Goldfinger, Spy Who Loved Me, GoldenEye, Casino Royale. That's the top four. That's been sort yep. of in stone since. That, that's a that's a defensible top four. <laughs> Defetch, shut up. That's been my top four. Certainly my top three <laughs> has been that. And I yes. feel like that's a good. I feel like that's a good top four. It's very reflective. It's got Connery, a Moore, a Brosnan, a Craig. I feel like that's good. Then I've got Diamonds of Forever, and then I've got Doctor No. So I'm not sure what happened, but I would now put Doctor No ahead of Diamonds Forever, and I would probably put From Russia with Love ahead of Diamonds of Forever. So Diamonds Forever would sit then down in seventh spot. That was your problem, wasn't it? Because you put yeah, I put, put Diamonds from Russia with Love like you put Diamonds of Forever quite high, and then from Russia yeah. with Love was quite low on your list. Yeah, yeah. But then I go to Moonraker, and then The Living Daylights, License to Kill, Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. Live and Let Die, and then On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I feel like On Her Majesty's Secret Service should be higher than that. Well, but- it's it, it's a it's not a perfect film, and, no. and it, it, it also suffers from a similar sort of problem because like the villain's plot like it's Blofeld in that one but it's Terry Savalas Blofeld yeah it's a very convoluted plot like he's using his cassette tapes or his his magnetic tapes or whatever to to, to hypnotize people yeah yeah um like and 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 he's got like this weird hypnotism plot it's a bit lame Uh, it's it's weird he and even though it's Blofeld it's a very I guess sort I of keep, underpowered Blofeld. Yeah, I guess I keep thinking about the music and the ski scenes, and I'm like, oh, I probably should. Have been yeah. high. maybe not. Look, I know George Lazenby does that awesome barrel roll, like right. Well, not a barrel roll, like a chest slide right into the headquarters of Blofeld. <laughs> yes, which alone probably makes it top ten. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, so, but certainly, um, like filmmakers in particular love on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Like yes, they just adore true. it because, like, the cinematography in it is incredible, and so many like like thematically and and shots are taken almost wholesale from that movie for No Time to Die. Yes. I think that they, they, were, they were referencing that movie very oh, heavily. Did you hear there's a couple of moments where the theme just comes right out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they use music from On Her Majesty's Secret Service yeah. in, in No Time to Die. Like that, that, that motif comes in yeah. a couple of times when he's talking to M, like Bond is talking to M. Absolutely. Yeah, they're definitely referencing that. And obviously All the Time in the World references on Her Majesty's Secret. Yes, yeah, exactly. That they end with the same song. You know, that you see Bond, instead of Bond losing the girl, the girl loses Bond. So it's mirroring on Her Majesty's Secret. Exactly. The thing about this list is looking at it, I can't fault my list because my list, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of love. Nine and ten are the two Daltons, and that's just a lot of lust and a lot of like rediscovered. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. It's not bad. I maybe would swap out, you know, License to Kill. I think 
I liked Living Daylights a bit better, but it's still defensible. So where I would put Quantum of Solace, I think would be down further down around where Die Another Day and Never Say Never Again is. Yeah. Maybe even further down. Because for some reason, I've got a view to a kill at the last spot, like Die Another Day, then Octopussy, then a view to a kill. Whereas you, you firmly went with Die Another Day. Oh my God. Do you not have Die Another Day as your worst ever Bond film? No. Because I, what? I, I, there's a certain charm in its ridiculousness. Oh my God. I know this, this is pure Brosnan love. You know, I just, I can't look. This is the thing. Is it better than Octopussy? I think I would probably watch it more than Octopussy. No, Octopussy is clearly a better film. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure we've had this debate before. Like, have, and it's fun. It is fun. And look, don't get me wrong. Like, like for for me, I I obviously like I have Die Another Day in dead last place, but my second last place is Thunderball. Yeah, that's um, right. Because I personally detest that film. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, Whereas for me, we, won't, we won't relitigate it, but yes. Like, <laughs> it's still going, as we've said. People, it, it, it is still playing in the background as we speak. Um, still going. It is, it is the longest film in, in the history of the universe. Um, so maybe I would put Skyfall around that 11, 12 sort of mark. Quantum of Solace down near the end. And this one, probably it would sit around where Skyfall sits. Maybe one under, one over, but it would sit around. I, I would probably need to do the list more firmly. Right. Okay, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Where did you put it? You put it further up. I, I put it I put it at number nine. Number for, nine. For me, though, Skyfall was number five. Like, like that was my... I, yeah. I, I, love, I love Skyfall. I think it's a very good film. Uh, um, okay, well, maybe Skyfall would maybe edge out The Living Daylights or something. I don't know. I just... Yeah, maybe. It's fun. It's got the Adele song, which is arguably... Oh, see, I still think the Casino Royale song is better. It's the best. The, the Casino Royale song is is great. Fantastic. It marks the last time they did, like, a big bombastic song for the start of the... Oh, shit. I forgot. Spe- did I put Spectre last? Did I make that choice at one point? Did you, we- you, might, you might have put Spectre last because I, I know you, you hate Spectre in a way that in a way that I just don't. Like, like I understand why you don't like that movie, but... I real hate it, Stu. I real hate it. I real hate it. <laughs> Not even proper words. That's how much I hate the film. I look. It's again. You start to come up against the you know the the beautiful cinematography and you know all the extra technological advancements sure. that come to something like Spectre. It's beautiful. The whole scene with the Day of the Dead and mm. you know the the one tracking shot and yeah, all that stuff is is gorgeous and the, the largest explosion ever filmed or whatever oh was it or, or something along those lines like like the blowing up of the specter base uh, i, I uh, think at that time was like one of the largest explosions that ever done practically wow have you heard they, they blew up an entire facility this oppenheimer movie that's coming out apparently is like the whoever's directing that is like recreated a nuclear explosion but like without cgi yes yeah yeah. well that's um that's uh christopher nolan oh okay well, then that makes sense. That's just about nuclear bombs. That's going to be an interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it will. So I, yeah, I definitely have Spectre at the bottom of the Craigs. If I was to rank the Craigs, I would rank Casino Royale, probably Skyfall, mm-hmm. then No Time to Die, then Quantum of Solace, then Spectre. So I would probably spread that out amidst my, with Spectre at the bottom. That's pretty much, I think that's pretty much the critical consensus. I think the only thing with with the way I've ranked mine, the only flip that I have is that I have Quantum of Solace in last place over Spectre. I can see why that would be arguable as well. Like I, I don't, I don't disagree with that reading. It's just the personal bias I have about the treatment of Blofeld. Sure. Yes, exactly. Again, I think Christoph Walsh was a good Blofeld. I just 
didn't like the cuckoo and the wow. No, totally. Yeah, it was, it was a completely wasted opportunity. Like they finally get the rights back to James Bond's nemesis, like it's, his Moriarty, and and yeah. and they do that with it. Like they make him again. We we, we won't yeah. litigate it, but go back and listen to our many yeah, go go back and listen to our in depth discussion about our many many problems with that movie. Many few opinions about uh, Spectre. So yeah, that's probably where I would I would put it. But I'd have to go through maybe and and just finish off the list. Maybe we should both. Do that or you've probably already done that haven't you because you're I, I've, I've done that I, I have my list on my letterbox um so because oh, you, you, you use you the track letterbox. that down I don't have that I'll have to do that for I've just been keeping like a word document uh, sure yeah exactly <laughs> and I've got like I found the I found the bond rankings master but it only goes up to 22 so somewhere there's a bond rankings master master which has got extra ones in <laughs> master master slash final yes exactly so I'll have to I'll have to re re-prosecute but make sure I don't change anything else in the meantime so we'll we'll put that together and maybe I'll throw it up on the on the blog I still I've never recapped like formally recapped the Craig era though I stopped with Brosnan and then we continued mm. on with the podcast and I just you know stuff started happening and I, I wanted to continue the podcast but never sure. caught up with the with the Craig recap so it's, it, it would be interesting to go back now knowing the end that would mean probably watching them again uh which I <laughs> 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 Not averse to doing, but yeah. So I'm I'm so glad we've come back and revisited No Time to Die because I really am glad that I rewatched it. Uh, I think one of the reasons we took so long is because we we're waiting it for it for it to come onto streaming for free. Because yes, exactly. My God, movies are expensive, you know, for hires on streaming. Like new. That's how I was lamenting about this the other day. Like it's 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 at least thirty bucks. Like to rent like a new release, and it's like you used to be able to go to like <laughs> I'm an old man shaking my stick, but. <laughs> You know, like you used to be able to go to a video store and get like a five dollar new release. I mean, it was that—that that was the thing, Seven, wasn't it? it was I like remember a five dollar new release. That was it. Seven dollar overnight releases is what I remember. And even even adjusting for inflation, that would still be maybe a twelve dollar overnight. Release. Yeah, like you're talking like fifteen dollars maximum. Like, and, and instead we've got this weird thing where it's like they have to factor in the fact that you might be watching it with like several different people which means you won't you could have bought like several tickets in a theater like it just is this weird you would go calculation that goes on but you would rent an overnight video for a party when you had friends over and all sure, exactly like you know like it, yeah it's it just it's a completely different way of doing things it's bizarre yeah uh anyway. <laughs> maybe they're, maybe they're charging you for the convenience of not having to leave your house and go to the blockbuster or the video easy sure the maybe or the network video or what else did they have Video. What were other video chains? It was Video Easy, Civic Video. Civic Video. That's right. We had a Video Easy near us. Video think, Easy. Yeah. It might have become a Blockbuster at some point, or was there a Blockbuster somewhere else? Blockbuster was like a like a Starbucks. Like in in that it came into the Australian market fairly late in the game when there was a lot, already a lot of players. Yeah. In the thing, and it was only because video stores started started to die off that Blockbuster kind of got a foothold. Like you could yeah. you could suddenly there was suddenly like just Blockbusters left. Yeah. It was weird. It's amazing to think about the days when that was a solid business model. You know, you yeah. could you could set up an independent video store. Probably all the early ones were before they started being turned into video easies and civic videos and network videos and stuff for bulk buying purposes. Mm. A solid business model in renting videos. You could afford like a storefront. Yeah. And and like, you know. Rent 
a place. Rent and overheads and things and, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, they branched out into snack foods and stuff and sometimes they'd sell, like some of them would sell videos as well. Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of it was, you know, snacks, you know, get your Cokes and your twisties. Yeah, while you were there, you'd pick up some popcorn and a Coke and stuff, yeah. That's all. It's like now when you, do you ever go past a smoke mart, you know, or like a a cigarette? (laughs) Yeah. And they're basically glorified gift shops because they can't display cigarettes yeah exactly yeah yeah so they, they still sell cigarettes but they, they can't, can't display them. any of them they literally can only i think they can only display like a meter by a meter if that yeah and most of them are locked up and so they've all become like gifts for mum like and dad weird, weird tchotchkes and things yeah. yeah you know like those singing carps that you know <laughs> yes exactly or whatever it's like come get your father's day gift here at, at oh, i was about to say yeah they, they they do a roaring trade between august and december you think <laughs> that's yeah. what people go yeah, yeah. people go there for father's day for halloween and then for christmas yeah but they obviously still sell enough tobacco to keep in business oh sure yeah they must like people must know like they're still called smoke mart even though 90 percent of what's on display 99 percent of what's on display is not is not soft toys smoking related (laughs) novelty novelty number plates and you know weird dragon fountain statues Sometimes, you know, there's that store in the valley. It's, there's like a $2 shop in the valley in Brisbane. It's called like the Life Shop or something. And right. Think, yeah, on the corner of Brunswick Street and Wickham Street, I think. And it's been there for years. And it's just the junkiest of $2 shops. Like you just walk past it going, how are they still in business? Like who is going in there and buying plastic crap and like those kind of weird sculpture things and as you said the dragon fountains and all that kind of weird stuff like there's obviously a market for that stuff but who who's in there sometimes in the suburbs like maybe i get it in suburban shopping centers and stuff but in the valley in the middle of the valley with lots of trendy people so i don't know maybe it's an mi6 headquarters you know (laughs) yeah maybe maybe it's 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 universal imports and so we have come to the end of our raven bond series for now you know, there may be more. We might decide. Well, now, I mean, there, there will be more. James Bond will return, as we were told. Well, that is true. That is true. But, for, you know, maybe we'll watch Man with a Golden Gun again one day for fun and just have a <laughs> So, yes, at Girl Clumsy, at Disco Stew. There are call signs on Twitter, which is still up. <laughs> still a thing as of the time of recording. Yeah, that's right. That's always the caveat you have to add now. Elon Musk is certainly having some fun, question mark with his toy so yes we'll keep an eye on that but you can also find us on facebook facebook.com slash natalie's throne or one word and the biggest and the best uh, love thanks and kindness to the wonderful patrons over at my patreon which is patreon.com slash girl clumsy thank you thank you thank you so much you are the light in my life and uh, I, I praise you every day and i hope you feel that sensually um but you know legally and stuff we are probably done for the year i think Stu, with this podcast i I think this is definitely the last one for the year unless you unless there's some shock surprise (laughs) this is probably us done in the new year in 2023 what are we doing living life a quarter mile at a time we We certainly are the fast and the furious franchise we're starting at number one And then we're going on a merry journey of craziness uh, led by Stu, who will curate the films. Oh, my goodness. Tell me which one to watch and when. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm actually really looking forward to that. I've never seen these films and I think it'd be really fun to do as part of a podcast project. Yes. Um, I'm super excited. So we'll be starting that in January. So do stay tuned in. Stu, thank you so much again for... It is a pleasure as always, Dad. It has been a wonderful journey doing Bond with you and we will continue to monitor the world of James Bond. I think that's everything. What did we say at the end of our James Bond podcast what was our god you know i can't actually i can't actually remember it's been that long i guess we just say raven bond will return raven bond will return and raven on will return with raven on the fast and furious subsection in early 2023 so do stay tuned for that and if you have any ideas suggestions please yell out on twitter um we love to hear from you or any anywhere else indeed astu thank you so much and with that raven bond will return hey bye bye